Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm gonna send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. From the outside, it often looks as if the dominant factor that determines whether somebody achieves their career goals or not is simply luck. And all of my regular listeners probably already know how I feel about the four-letter word that is luck. From an insider's perspective, having helped hundreds of people successfully make career transitions, I believe that luck is simply when hard work intersects with the right opportunity. And this intersection is no accident when you have the right strategy. One of my favorite aspects of my optimizer coaching and mentorship community is the relationships that are built when students support each other to pursue work that they feel the most passionate about. For example, when optimizer students Nick Toll and Fabian Corrado originally came to me, neither one of them knew each other. But they both knew that they were tired of the jobs that they had. They felt stuck after trying for years to make a seemingly impossible career change, and they were ready to do anything to get back on the right path. Nick Toll had been an editor in reality television, and he transitioned to the scripted world as an assistant editor. He was finding plenty of regular work, and he even had the opportunity to do some cutting in addition to his assistant editor duties. But he couldn't seem to land his first full-fledged scripted editing gig. Nobody was willing to give him the experience without, of course, already having the experience. And Fabian Corrado was working successfully as an assistant editor in the trailer industry, but he felt unsatisfied and unfulfilled, and he knew that he too wanted to make the jump into scripted content. He worked hard and he spent years climbing his way up the wrong ladder, and he felt stuck and trapped doing a job that he no longer loved. So if you too are struggling to make a career transition, you feel stuck in a dead-end career path, or you simply cringe when you think of the idea of networking, this episode is going to help you get unstuck and think of networking in a whole new light as you learn the strategies that both Nick and Fabian use to land huge career-changing opportunities and ultimately even work together on the same show. 
All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Optimizer members Fabian Corrado and Nick Toll. To access the show notes for this episode with all the bonus links and resources that we discussed today, as well as to subscribe, leave a review, and more, simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash episode 172. I'm here today with distinguished members of the Optimizer Coaching and Mentorship Community, Fabian Corrado and Nick Toll. And I'm super excited to share both of your stories today and how we are going to find out you serendipitously uh, intersected and came to the point where the both of you did not know each other beforehand and since joining this community are now working together. But I'm going to hold that spoiler for later because this is easily one of my favorite stories of the hundreds of students that we have in the program. But before we dive right into the stories, I want to thank both of you for being here today and sharing both of your stories. So thanks so much for being here. You're very welcome. So we've got a lot to cover. Generally, when I do these student case studies, I like to do it with one student at a time so I can really dig into their stories. But as I've already alluded to, uh, there's going to be a fun little moment where the two of you came together. And I think it's important to hear both of your stories individually. Then I want to talk about all of the circumstances that happened for the both of you to come together. And then what I'd love to do for anybody that's listening is I want them to better understand how you both traversed your journeys and what the takeaways are that somebody listening can get from those journeys. Because it's one thing to just talk about, oh, I did this and that and whatever, but it's another for somebody to be listening and say, oh, you know what? That's actually a really good piece of advice or a good strategy that I wasn't aware of. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna run with that so I can get success as well. So I would love shameless, shameless plug for anybody listening today. If you're inspired by these stories, would love to see you in the coaching and mentorship program in the near future. But if for some reason, whether finances, time, schedule, or otherwise you can't make it, I still want you to feel like for the next hour or so, you too are a member of the community and you're going to get some takeaways from this conversation and you too can take action and get results. So on that note, we're going to start with one story at a time and just chronologically, because he technically has seniority over you, Nick, we're going to start with Fabian. So Nick joined the program in February of 2020, which I remember very clearly um, because all of my students that I had right when the transition happened to the pandemic have a special place in my heart for all of them. Um, So Nick, I definitely remember uh, that situation Uh, as well as Fabian, you joined in May of 2019. And if I remember correctly, you were in the experimental semester where I tried to have students in night classes which, uh, by the way, was a massively failed experiment. But I tried it once, and you were, I think, only one of five students that ever did a night course with me before I went to all mornings. I actually prefer the nights because it just worked for my schedule better. Yes, and I've also learned since that you and I are both not morning people. (laughs) Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, So where I would like to start is where you began with the program or maybe even a little bit before, Fabian, uh, because uh, you and I had a a couple of random connections, one of which was with a a student of this program uh, beforehand, a student named uh, Len Chicatello, who I believe I also have a case study available for. Um, But you came from the trailer world, the short form world, correct? Correct. So uh, given you were in the, the short form world, give us a little bit of a background about what you were doing at the time and what originally brought you to the coaching and mentorship community. Well, I actually started my career in EPK trailer houses. Um, I basically started at the very bottom as a runner and then just kind of worked my way up from a runner to machine room to assistant editor um, over about a four and a half, five year period. And then it, I was at my second company that I was working at. And I got to a point where I just kind of hit a wall 
and I wanted to make the jump to scripted television. And I knew that was kind of the plan from before I even started. Like in this industry, I knew like eventually I want to get in scripted and work on TV shows or movies. But I had zero idea of how to make that jump. Because the two, once I like kind of started going in the trailer world, I realized the two worlds are very, they don't really cross over. Like it's very hard to make that jump from like the trailer world, EPK world over to scripted. So I remember I was watching, I think it was season two of Cobra Kai. And in my head, something just clicked. Bro. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a list of all the editors and AEs on this. I'm just going to start looking them up and seeing what they did, what their background was. And then I remember, you know, I got to your name and then it kicked, you know, brought it kicked back all your programs that you do, like your website popped up. And I was like, oh, what's this? Like he runs like a course teaching people how to actually like make this transition or help people out. So I'm like, okay. So I, I think I emailed you a few times because I saw that you were opening the course for like May. So I think, I think I actually got impatient and sent you an email like twice because you hadn't responded. And I'm like, I don't want to miss this opportunity. Like this is like, I want to get in this course. And then you and I had a few couple Zoom, we had a few Zoom calls. And then you said that we'd be a good fit. So then we started working together in May of 2019. And then I think that going through that first course really opened my eyes to how scripted works because I had no idea how scripted works, how to even like break into that at all. Um, So I think that was a game changer for me. So one thing I'd like to dive into a little bit more before I make the transition to introducing Nick in a little bit more of his journey. You said that you had been in the trailer EPK promo world. And for anybody that's not familiar, EPK is just a fancy word for electronic press kit, which is essentially a long string out of all the sound bites and clips that, you know, all the, the different press uses on their websites and on the news and whatnot. Um, and you worked in the, the trailer EPK world for a while. And I want you to describe a little bit more what you mean by I hit a wall, because I think this is a very common place that a lot of people hit where they're stuck they hit a wall and they have no idea how to make the transition and for you it just seemed like somebody was telling you well you need to grow four arms and you're like what does that even mean it's so confusing like you just came to me like there are no answers anywhere and it seems impossible to make the transition so talk a little bit more about that moment when you really hit the wall and you had no idea what comes next i think i mean i think i hit the wall really when like I kind of saw how that side, in, uh, that side of the industry works. And I realized I don't want to do this long-term. I don't want to build a career cutting home entertainment pieces or anything like that. And I knew I needed to make the jump, but it was just kind of like, I was stuck in like this cycle where it's like, I'm going to work every day, making the commute into you know Hollywood or whatever. And I just, you know, it's just this vicious cycle of like sound bites, B-roll, tra- you know, working on trailers or whatever. And I knew, like, I want to be inscripted. I need to, like, I, like, in my head, I reverse engineered it, where I was like, okay, well, if I want to get inscripted, how do I make that jump? So I figured I got to talk to editors and assistants. And that's when I did my research from Cobra Kai season two. And it was only because that was the show that I was binging at the time. It could have been whatever show, but it just so happened that you're on that show and you run this course. So I thought, okay, well, you know, clearly this is going to lead me down a path that is going to help me out because you have all these coaching materials to help people out. So then I need to say, send a thank you note to Google because apparently it was all done uh, via random Google searches and IMDb and just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Basically, like the stars aligned for us and like in 2019 for that to work. 
Well, the, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but this is just barely scratching the surface about the stars aligning. And we're going to go a lot deeper into all those pieces that we started to, to connect and all the dots and whatnot, how both of you ended up here. But I don't want to spoil any of that yet. Yeah. So next step, I want to have a similar conversation with you, Nick, and I want to better understand where you were in your career because you were in a, not the same position, but relatively similar position in that you had hit a little bit of a wall and you were kind of sort of stuck, but in a different sector of the industry. So uh, give uh, me and the audience a little bit more background as to where you were when you started the program and why you decided to join. So I, to give you a little bit of the backstory, I was um, an editor in reality TV for a while. And they got um, kind of, again, sort of hit the wall with that and realized that was the kind of content that I didn't really have a, a particular passion for. So started to spread my wings into other things um, and found my way into scripted television, um, which was where I wanted to be as an assistant and um, was able to take the skills that I'd learned from reality, from cutting in reality, um, to make quite a few opportunities for myself along the way, but wasn't fully able to turn that um, into a permanent editing position. Uh, so was looking for things that would help me on that journey and speed up the process. And uh, that's how I came upon you. Um, well, really, two from two different avenues. One was through the Fitness and Post podcast was how I heard about you. An OG or Fitness right. and Post. And um, and also we move in some of the same circles. Uh, Steve Lang and James Kilton and the Burn Notice crew also um, were another point of connection. So that's kind of how I found my way. It's a very, very small incestuous world we all live in. That's the one of the pieces that a lot of people don't quite realize is they feel like it's this big, vast ocean. And it really isn't. It's this tiny, tiny, tiny little body of water. But sometimes you have to look around and realize how similar all the people are that are working in it. And if you don't know the people working in it yet, well, you need to get to know them. And that's certainly something we're going to talk about more as we get deeper into this conversation, our networking skills, because that was the big thing for both of you. But the one thing I want to dive into a little bit deeper with you specifically, Nick, is the idea that you are an editor in reality. And then you made the step, quote unquote, backwards, into being an assistant editor in scripted. So talk a little bit more about why you made that decision because a lot of people believe that's the only possible way they can make the transition to scripted is to take a step backwards, which I disagree with. But I think that for some people, it's the right fit and for some it isn't. So I'm curious why you decided to go that route versus going editing reality to editing scripted. I think it was really because of the opportunities that kind of came my way and the people that I knew. I uh, co-edited a documentary and one of the um, other editors on the project was Andy Seckler, who was the uh, one of the supervising editors of Battlestar Galactica. And so I was talking to him about his background and experience and he said, well, I can't get you a editing job in scripted, but how do you feel about coming and being my assistant? So, you know, I took that opportunity and and certainly don't regret it. He was an excellent mentor and was still in contact. And uh, and it's been a, a really good relationship. But yeah, um, had an editing opportunity come along, I would have taken it. But the assistant editing was was kind of what presented itself. So I took that. Well, speaking of uh, very similar to what Fabian had said, this idea of hitting a wall or kind of getting stuck, I know that one of the reasons that you would come to me was you were already deep into being an experienced assistant editor. But then the question comes up, 
yeah, but how do I convince them I can edit and I'm not quote unquote, just an assistant editor. So talk a little bit more about some of those challenges because that really confounds a lot of people. They just get stuck there and they say, I just, I don't know how I'm ever gonna get in the editor's chair or back into it like you were trying to. So talk a little bit more about being stuck in kind of that limbo. I'm not sure it was so much about being stuck. I just didn't feel myself moving quickly enough back into the editing chair. I think that was the thing that sort of galvanized me. I was getting basically a chance to cut on almost every show that I did, um, which was great, obviously. Um, but it was hard for me to then get an editing position going forward on the show, in part because all of the shows that I worked on got cancelled um, on, the, on the season that I got bumped up on, which was a bit of a shame. But uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of how it went down. And how long were you an assistant editor in scripted television before landing the chair that you have now, which is now being a, an editor on a full season of a show? Uh, seven years. Yeah, around six, seven years. All right. So the, when you say you felt like it wasn't happening fast enough, that's a long time to be an assistant editor <laughs> knowing that you had been an editor beforehand. Right. Um, and I'm glad that you clarify that because I think some people, they have in their mind that, well, I was an editor for so many years. So I'm going to make the transition to being an assistant in scripted. And then they'll come to me and say, well, I'm, I'm getting really frustrated. You know, I've been an assistant editor and I feel like I want to get back in the editor's chair. And I say, well, how long have you been an assistant? I don't know. It's been like seven, eight months now. I'm like, okay, well then maybe we need to be patient for a little bit longer, right? Because it, it, it takes a long time to be able to rebuild the relationships in the world of scripted and most importantly, convince the other showrunners, convince the producers, convince the studio and the network that you can actually sit in the editing chair. Um, and it, it takes time to be able to make that happen. But then on the flip side, um, I'm uh, one of the anomalies and there are others that are anomalies that spent 0, 0.0 minutes in the assistant chair and make the transition. Um, but that's, that's a whole other set of strategies and skills that we're not going to go too deep into. But certainly you would put in your time for six or seven years and it was time for you to make the transition and there were just circumstances that were precluding you from not making that happen. And I, and I think in some ways it was the fact that it kept being dangled in front of me because I was, you know, getting multiple episodes of shows per year that helped me not get as frustrated as I might as well otherwise would have done. Um, so it was just enough to keep you in the game. It certainly was just enough, exactly. Which is a blessing and a curse because then you know, so they can dangle that carrot forever, but you never actually you know, get to make that jump. Yes. Um, all right. So we have a little bit more context about where both of you came from to join the program. And even though you were not in at the exact same time or in the exact same class, you went through the same course materials. And the way that it works for most of my students, not all of them, but most of my students first need to know the plan. They need a path. They say, I really don't know what the path looks like. I need to get more organized. I need to make sure that I'm very clear on my goals and my next steps. And I just need to put together a list of what it is that I'm going to prioritize and both of you did that in my Focus Yourself small group program. So I'll, I, either of you can answer this, but I'll, I'll start with Fabian just because he's been quiet for a little while now. Uh, Fabian, talk to me a little bit more about why we didn't just do some changes to your resume and change a couple of font sizes and, you know, write a, a, a template for just kind of blasting everybody with an email and saying, hey, guys, I want to work in scripted. Why was it that we spent so much time 
getting you clear on your goals and why you needed to do what you needed to do and how to prioritize. Um, why did we do that? Well, I think the, the first program, the thing that sticks out the most is we really like went deep into the why of why I even wanted to work in television or scripted television, right? So I think we spent weeks on that. And then once we kind of got that, you know, the whole peeling back the onion analogy, I think once we figured out the why, then we could go from there. And then we started putting together a, like a blueprint for how am I going to make this jump to scripted? What kind of TV shows do I want to work on? What kind of people should I be reaching out to? Um, and I remember at the end of that course, it was very much, we started to get into the, to, to the a little bit into the outreach email part of it which for me was probably my favorite part because that's really where you can start putting uh, a lot of the, a lot of things in motion. Right. And I will say that that first contact that I ever did in 2019 absolutely came back this time to help me get this gig. Right. So I, at the time I didn't see it, right. Like planting the seed in 2019, never did I think it would come back the way that it did to help me get something in 2021, like more than two years later. Well, I, I will admit that I didn't know it was going to work out this perfectly. It, I mean, it's w w when we kind of, you know, uh, once we kind of spoil the uh, the surprise, which we'll do mo momentarily, people are going to realize how ridiculous this is. I didn't think it was going to come together this perfectly, but I knew in 2019 when we were putting the plan together and we started to figure out what are the shows I want to go after and who are the people, I knew that first outreach you did would pay off. I just had no idea. I mean, I couldn't have written the story this good for how it worked out for both of you. Um, but I knew that we were planting that seed. But before we get to the networking side of things, one of the other things that I want to mention about your story specifically that complicates it a little and why I think the Focus Yourself program was so necessary was the fact that you also have a lot of responsibility outside of working in the industry. So do you mind just talking a little bit about that? Because we had to figure out how do we prioritize your time because you have so little of it to actually put towards advancing your career. Right. So in addition to building my little career off in, you know, trailer houses and EPK world, what people don't know and what they often don't see is after hours, I would work pretty much three to four days a week at my family grocery store. Um, after I got off work at, you know, seven o'clock, head to the store, work till 11 PM, drive home, get home at midnight, and then just do it all over again. Um, and then a lot of weekends during bigger holidays, all my time is spent at the store as well. So I think that the two jobs really made it harder for me to be able to my time became a little more precious and a little more valuable um, when you have to factor in weekends at the store, nights at the store kind of thing. Um, so I think that's also why it took me a little bit longer because I just couldn't do things after work. I couldn't just go home and write outreach emails for two hours. Well, the funny thing is, in, in your head, you think that it took a long time. But if we really dig into it, you met me in May of 2019, zero experience in scripted, working in the trailer world. And now it's only a little bit more than two years later. And you've essentially landed what was the dream job that you had set out to get way, way back in May of 2019. Even though you didn't know it was the dream job yet, you had started to plant those seeds. And now you're there. And to do it in only two or two and a half years is kind of nothing short of ridiculous. So it feels like it's taking right. forever at the time, but in hindsight, it, right. you made it happen pretty fast given the circumstances. Also, let's take out that six months because of COVID. So yeah, it could, you could argue it could be a little shorter. 
You absolutely right. could, but at the same time, you were using that time uh, to its fullest. That was one of the things that um, I want to talk about with Nick as well. Um, but a lot of people, they just hit the pause button and they said that my life is just going to be on pause during COVID. But then there was a small subset of people that said, I know I can't work right now because there literally is no work, but how do I plant the seeds so that when the floodgates do open and boy, did the floodgates open and then some, I'm prepared as opposed to now I'm going to start building those relationships and building those bridges. I will have already built them. Um, and that was one of the things that both of you did. Um, but I want to come back to this idea of time being very precious and limited and being so inundated with just regular responsibilities, because this is a very similar place that you were in, Nick, when you joined as well. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about your circumstances when you joined Focus Yourself, as far as the time that you had available, things that were going on in your life, and uh, some of the, the benefits that you got from really crafting a clear plan before we dove into all the specifics of networking and actually landing the job. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the Topomat. The Topomat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're going to invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the topo mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the topo mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash topo. That's T-O-P-O. Um, I think for me, I was on some pretty intense shows as an assistant. And um, so what I got out of the course in the certainly in the early stages was trying to focus on the things that I needed to advance my career. And then I also have family. So I'm uh, uh, also juggling my responsibilities as a father and a husband as well. Um, so it was a pretty full dance card during that time. And uh, as soon as COVID hit, I had to be the full, full-time stay-at-home parent uh, because we couldn't get any childcare during that time. So that was keeping me busy as well. Well, I remember that the headline was always, and you have a, a young 
uh, child at home. It wasn't like you've got, you know, like my kids are now 12 and nine. So it's just like, yeah, yeah go make your own lunch, whatever, bother me, Don't, go bother me later, right? Um, you're not exactly in that position, especially during COVID where you had, uh, remind me how how old was your son at the time? He was three at the time. Yeah, so that that's pretty tough. Uh, so talk to me a little bit more similar to what Fabian did about what some of the things were that you really focused on and got out of the Focus Yourself program that then set you up for success, even if at the time you weren't able to act on it immediately, you were really kind of playing the the long game of chess that then paid off um, to get you where you are now. Well, I think the things, two things that were, challenge, that were challenging me the most were my tendency to be a procrastinator. Uh, which James Kilton, my uh, editor that I've worked with for quite some time, he would always be on at me as well about being a procrastinator. Um, so that that was a big piece of it. And also, I really don't like networking. And the other thing that found that helped me find my way to you was the um, networking for introverts panel mm-hmm. that you did at the uh, Editors Guild. Uh, and as soon as I saw that email come in, I thought that's the sort of thing I should do. Um, and that's what brought me to the the Focus Yourself class. Yeah, so those are the two things that uh, the, the class really helped me with um, and that I think have helped me further my career. All right, well, let's let's talk a little bit more about how they helped you and how they helped Fabian. And I'm just going to latch right onto this idea of I hate networking as I probably hear this from just about every single person that joins this program, very rarely if ever, if I had somebody to join and said, well, I do creative work for a living, but what I love to do after hours is meet people. I love going places and meeting people and talking to them. I don't hear that too often. Maybe if I worked in real estate, I would hear that, but I don't hear that too often. And I know that Fabian, you are certainly in a similar category of dear Lord, do I really have to like put myself out there and talk to people like is that do i have to do it is there another way really yeah there's definitely that part i'm very much an introvert i don't you know because when you hear networking you think of like some event and you're handing out business cards and doing that whole thing um and i think what actually drew me to your second program that i did was the networking through email because i'm like all about email i will send emails all day if i have to because you can do that at home you can write it you can schedule the email so you don't have to hit send Right. So it kind of alleviates that, uh, like that pressure of like, all right, I'm going to hit send now. You just set it and then forget it. Um, so I think that <laughs> that second course is definitely a lot more up my alley. Um, I definitely don't consider myself like an in, like a, like I, I don't think I would do well in a networking event in person kind of thing, you know? And I, I think I struggle. I think most creatives struggle with that. I've, very few people in post that I've met are like going to networking events or trying to meet people. That that's the there's a reason that we chose uh, our job as a living to sit in a small dark room by ourselves uh, because it yeah. better suits our personalities. Um, I'll become so, actors. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, or we could become actors and you know be energized by being in front of lights and set and attention, and we are all the polar opposite of that. Um, but I, I would argue, and uh, I've, I've seen this happen with many people, and there have been a few anomalies, um, and you guys can argue against this if you like, but I would argue uh, that part of the reason that you both got so much out of the networking program is because you spent so much time getting very, very clear on your goals first, rather than just diving in and revising resumes and writing emails 
journal templates. And, you know, we spent that full 12 weeks just getting clear on what do you actually want out of life and how do I better manage my time? Because I've seen a lot of people flounder that have not done that first, where they've tried the networking program. And after a few weeks, they're like, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to send outreach emails because I have no idea what I want to do with my life or I have no idea how to manage my time and I can't get anything done. Um, so I would argue that uh, the Focus Yourself program lent a lot of the success to you getting so much out of Advance Yourself so quickly. Uh, would you agree or disagree with that? I would agree with that. I also, one thing that I think I'm put in a unique position is I don't, I didn't move here from another state, right? I was born and raised here. All my family's here. So I, I didn't like take a chance on it. If nothing worked out, I had a family grocery store that I could go back to. So in my head, it was, this is all I'm doing. And if it takes me till I'm like 39 to do it, then that's how long it takes me. But like, there is no plan B. It's just, this is what I want. And I'm just going to do what's necessary to get there. Right. I've worked with people who they've left the industry because COVID hit, they moved back home and that's it. They're like, I moved down here for five years. Didn't work out. I'll go home. And now they're off doing whatever they're going to do. So I think for me, there was never a question of, do I really want to do this or do all the steps or figure out what I want to do? It's, this is what I'm going to do. It'll fall into place somehow. Right. And we just, we clarified the somehow for you. Right. Right. Um, now, now, Nick, I would assume by the timbre and tone of your voice and accent, you probably were not born and raised in Los Angeles. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm uh, from the UK originally. Uh, Cambridge in England was where I grew up. Uh, but I'm assuming also that uh, having a family out here, there was no real sense of like, well, if I don't make it happen in three years, I'm just going to move back to the UK and go back to my old life. And my guess is you were very settled here as well. And it kind of was, there is no plan B. I just have to figure this out and make it work. Right. Yeah. There's never been a plan B for me. So I love it. Um, that's one of my favorite quotes from Arnold Schwarzenegger. But what I want to talk a little bit more about now is networking strategy. That is the reason that you two are on this call together and why I didn't do these individually. Because I feel that individually as case studies, both of you have very compelling stories. You put in the work, you got results, and whatever the goal was that you came to me with either in May of 2019 or February of 2020, you have now you have now accomplished that goal. Nick, you are sitting in the, the editor's chair um, on an entire season of a new series. Uh, not a new series, but a new series to you. And Fabian, you are the assistant editor to Nick on that same series. So you both landed exactly where you want to be. So I'm not going to, not going to totally ruin the story yet, but I want to talk more about networking strategy. So Fabian, once we went through the focus yourself program and we, like you said, peeled the onion back, we found the really deep layers of why you want to do what you want to do, what kinds of shows you want to work on. Talk a little bit more about how the strategy started to come together. Talk about the shows that you were targeting and some of the people you targeted in your initial outreach and how you made all of that come together. So my initial at the time one of the shows I was watching, I mean, I was watching, of course, Cobra Kai. Of course. I, I mean, what, what else would you be watching? Right. I mean, I think that was roughly was it season two. It just aired, I think, when we started, right? 2019? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I was watching that, and then I was a fan of the Mayans, and then there was a few other shows that were there that I was watching that were popping up or whatever. Um, but it, for me, because I had no experience in scripted, I think the plan was more or less, the seeds that I needed to plant were basically talking to assistant editors with a similar background as me, either from Trailer Houses, EPK, or even Reality, 
little more similar to what I was doing and then talk to them and see how they made the switch, which was a big help. I talked to some great AEs who kind of gave me some insight on how they made their transition, which was very helpful. And then the next step up was talking to editors and seeing what they look for in assistant editors and trying to get those skill sets in line on my end. So that way I have an idea of what they need out of their assistants. Right. So I think it became very much like, I felt like I was like at the bottom of like, like I was reaching out to pretty, I don't want to say low level people because that's not it, but it's like, I'm not trying to reach out to showrunners and producers. Right. I'm trying to reach out to assistants and editors. And I think that approach is what really got me here. Yeah. And that that's a very common mistake that a lot of people make is that they go after the top rung on the ladder, not realizing that they want to go after the people that are a lot more approachable. And as you already alluded to, and we'll talk about with Nick as well, um, I always say that the number one strategy for you to make any transition is to reach out to the world's foremost experts that are doing now what you want to be doing next. And people would say, well, what, what do you mean by an expert? And the way that I define the term expert is very different than many others. So if I, for example, am an assistant janitor at an elementary school, and I want nothing more than to become the head janitor at that elementary school, the world's foremost expert on my goals is the head janitor at that elementary school. M many people would say, well, what do you mean? A janitor is not an expert, right? Like everybody has this idea of what an expert is and you know they're the, the world's foremost name on this, that, or the other thing. And an expert is anybody that is doing now what you wanna be doing next, and that's who you focused on. So I wanna speak to one expert, quote unquote, specifically that you reached out to very early in the process. And that was an editor that was working on the show. What, what essentially at the time was like, the dream show that you said, man, if I could work on anything, how amazing would it be to be an assistant editor on the Mayans MC? And you reached out to one of the editors on the show, which was whom? Hunter Vi. Uh, who, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, in addition to being on uh, Mayans MC, he uh, won uh, multiple awards for doing the pilot for The Walking Dead and has been on a bunch of other high-profile AMC shows. Um, so he's he's what you would call an expert in a lot of different realms. Um, but specifically for you, we considered him an expert to reach out to because he was working on what was essentially your dream show at the time when we listed out what are the, the five or ten shows that would be a dream to work on. The Mayans MC was basically at the top of that list. Right. So my first outreach email ever after doing the course of you was to Hunter Vi, and he responded in like 12 minutes and I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, that got a response like that. 12 minutes. Uh, it took that long, huh? Maybe we needed it to, to modify oh, your draft. Yeah. So he was the first person I ever reached out to. And that was like the first seed that I planted. And I didn't know at the time that it would come back two years later to help me out. And then, you know, talking to him. And then at the end of 2019, we actually jumped on a phone call um, towards the end of the year in December of 2019. He had some downtime. So we jumped on a phone call and he gave me some some other, you know, some other tips and he helped me out a little bit, things like that. But he was the first person I reached out to. And I talked to him and I asked him some questions about his assistant, what he looks for in assistance and things like that. And then I took that and then I met some other AEs that I reached out to and I tried to incorporate what he told me when I would talk to the other AEs. And then, you know, as you continue going down this networking outreach email path, you felt like I met a couple AEs that worked on the Mayans earlier in the season, season one or two. And it just so happened that they worked on those shows. So I was able to get more info on what it was like working on those shows and what it was like working with those editors and things like that. 
So I, I think it, it, in a weird way, like the outreach kept like the minds was always like circling somehow, right? There was always somebody that I was reaching out to that either worked on it directly or knew somebody who worked on it. So I just felt like it was kind of starting to come together. But I think it was all because of that first seed that I planted with Hunter. So that having been said, random question, Nick, what show are you editing right now and Fabian's your assistant for? Mayans MC. Wait, hold on a second. What now? You're working on the Mayans MC. Doesn't that have to be the uh, the number one dream show that you targeted in uh, mid-2019, Fabian? That is the dream show that I targeted. Well, I'm I'm glad that we finally gave away the spoiler because uh, this has been uh, one of my favorite journeys to watch between the both of you. Um, and I love how all of it came together, but we haven't talked yet about the other important part of this puzzle, which is, Nick, how you made the transition from the assistant editor's chair to the editor's chair on Mayans. So now let's talk about your journey from going through the Focus Yourself program, getting really organized with my time, figuring out how do I really uh, clear this path. Then, of course, COVID hits and derails you, uh, at least for a little bit, because uh, you have to go into dad mode. Um, but what was it that you specifically did to get yourself out of the assistant chair into the editor's chair on the Mayans? So I was basically, you know, trying to cultivate whatever opportunities came my way. And James Kilton, the editor that I was working for, uh, he was offered an opportunity on Mayans the previous season, I think, and um, wasn't available, but kindly recommended me. And at the time, they were like, no, no, thanks very much, but no thanks. Um, but my, obviously, they still remembered me. Um, and then when it came around again, they reached back out to me. Um, and also, I think that, um, and I don't know this as gospel, uh, basically, I haven't had a chance to talk to them about how it all came together, but I'd done another um, show for um, FX um, and the Disney World um, in the meantime, uh, which had gone well. And so I basically got recommended into the show from multiple kind of sources. So um, some of the post people at FX, as well as um, another showrunner that I worked with and other editors. So it was one of those um, sort of all roads were kind of leading to the same point. Yes, and this is something that we talk about as well when it comes to networking strategy, is that especially when there's an elephant in the room, this is something that we talk about a lot with the outreach emails, with resumes, specifically with the job interview, it's identifying the elephant in the room. And for both of you, the elephant in the room was that I have the skills to do the job that I want, but I don't have the experience. And most people are not willing to hire somebody if they don't explicitly have the experience, which then of course is the catch 22 of, well, I need the experience so I can get the experience. And clearly people have been solving this problem for millennia because we all somehow are able to navigate our way. But what I always say is that if you're in that position, you need advocates. You need to essentially do a full frontal assault so they don't hear Nick's name once. They hear it from like four different directions and they're finally like, okay, fine. We'll meet with the guy. If everybody says I got to meet with them, I'll meet with them. But it's all about surrounding yourself with those relationships so all the pieces can come together at the right time, which it did for you in this case. Yeah, I mean, I think the first year uh, my name kind of went into the hat. I had maybe three people speaking up for me and then was able to sort of double that the second time around. And so they they met with me and the, the interview went well. So. 
So one of the other things that I want to talk about with you specifically, Nick, is a little bit different when it comes to networking strategy. With Fabian, it was very much boots on the ground. Let's put together a spreadsheet. Let's do IMDb Pro Research. Let's make a list of people. Let's send outreach messages. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to learn the skills. I'm going to do calls. And then, bam, all of a sudden, he's the assistant editor on Mayans MC. There was a component with your journey, which is very similar to a lot of people's, um, that's a little bit more esoteric and a little bit more psychological. It's less about who are the people that I need to email and how do I update my resume? I think for you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but for you, there was a component of, I need to believe that I'm a scripted editor so I can get other people to believe that I'm a scripted editor because you were a reality editor for a while. But I know that we had more than one conversation about making sure that you consider yourself an editor. Otherwise, other people aren't going to consider you an editor. Do you remember some of those conversations? I do. Yeah, that was that was definitely a, um, a big part of it. And I'd say the other part of it was also sort of activating my network. That was the other sort of secondary piece of it. So let's talk about what that means. What do you mean by activating your network? Um, just being a lot more um, proactive at reaching out to people, reminding them that I'm into, you know, I want to do more editing, um, reminding them of my skills and kind of just keeping in touch with them. And that's one thing. That's a, an area where I think a lot of people fall short just because there's so much work nowadays and the hours are so long that people say, well, how do I have time to keep up with anybody? So the first part of it is I just need to keep up with people and reconnect with them. There's another trap that I feel a lot of people fall into that they don't know how to get out of. And I think you were in a similar position and I want to know how you got out of it. It's that even when you reactivate your network, how do I convince them that I'm not just an assistant anymore? Because your network all thinks of you as the assistant editor and scripted, but now you need to convince them, no, 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 I'm not doing that anymore. Now I'm an editor. So how did you not, not only get over the hump of, I need to make sure they know I exist, but I also need to convince them, hey, I do something else now. I think a key piece of it was being willing to turn things down. Aha, there it is. Turning things down and using, what's the magic word? Uh, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. Um, the magic word is no. So I'm glad you brought that up. Continue. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I I had an opportunity to to, to go back to a show as an assistant editor. Um, I was practically begged um, by numerous people to go back, and and I saw it as probably not being a particularly good route to editing. Um, so I decided to pass on that and. Uh, um, and then got offered some pilots to assist on and again said no, even though they were pretty tempting. Um, and then just kind of held my ground. And that's when uh, the Mayans opportunity came along. Isn't it funny how that works out? Now, on a practical level, did you saying no to any of those opportunities directly lead to getting hired as an editor on Mayans? Uh, yes. How so? Basically, I got offered a... Um, FX offered me a pilot opportunity and I said no. And a few days later, I heard, well, we might have an editing opportunity for you. Send me mm. a resume. So what do you think would have happened if you had just said, nah, I mean, I really don't want to work on this pilot as an assistant, but I mean, it's, it's just, I'll just do it one more time. I'll just say yes one more time. What would have happened then? Do you think they would have then said, you know what? Yeah, I don't, let, let's get somebody else for Nick because he'd be much better as an editor on Mayans. You think they would have done that? 
I suspect not. I don't think that they would have. So at what point did the switch happen in your mind between, yeah, I want to be an editor, but I'm really an assistant and I need to pay the bills and I need to make sure to say yes to these opportunities. At what point, and this is a gut reaction, there's no way to really explain this, but when did the switch happen in your gut where you're like, I just, I don't care how good the opportunity is. This isn't what I do anymore. How did you know when that moment hit? I'm not sure there was a particular time when that that, that, that I can't point to any particular moment where that happened. Yeah, it was just a, a gradual realization that I should, uh, you know, I should t take a pause because I'd been working, I worked basically 11 months straight and it was time for a break. Uh, and I saw how many opportunities there were out there in terms of so many shows. So it seemed like a good opportunity to strike out for some editing. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat, and I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day, and that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour, but if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core 360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people have experienced that as well ever since the, the work started coming back after the pandemic shutdown, where we have never seen this volume of work before. And the prevailing feeling was, well, if I say no to this opportunity, I might not get a phone call for six months. And now the way that it's been, especially for assistant editors, but even for editors as well, if I say no, I might get a phone call this afternoon for another job. So it's been a lot more of a buyer's market in that sense. Um, so now talking about this transition in mindset from, I just do this one thing to, I now want to do this other one. I want to go back to you, Fabian, because we're missing one other key component of your transition that I think is really important. I remember you reaching out to me and I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was maybe three, four or five months ago. You had taken on another opportunity at a new trailer company, which totally coincidentally and tangentially was doing the marketing for Cobra Kai, which is the weirdest thing. Cause all of a sudden I got this email thread and like you were on it. I'm like, what, how the hell did Fabian get on this email thread about like elements for the trailers? I'm like, yeah, I'm working at this company. So another one of those weird woo woo small world things. Um, but I remember that what I, and I, I'm sure I uh, took a screenshot of this, but I remember the message that you sent where you're like, I have an opportunity to be a fill-in to do some visual effects work on a show for just a few weeks, 
but I'm afraid to leave my trailer job. Right. Do you remember what I told you? I actually don't remember exactly what you told me, but I remember sending you that message. Also going back just a few months, I remember in June of this year, 2021, I was sending you messages saying how unhappy I was at the current job that I was at because they were going to make us commute with no option for remote option, right? It was going to be office only. And the commute was like an hour and a half. And in my head, there was like this ticking, like this ticking time bomb of like, okay, I need to make this transition before I'm forced to commute. And then I'm just going to be even more miserable because now I have a three hour round trip commute every day. Like I need to do this now. And then it wasn't until like August when I joined your uh, office hours. And I remember I told you for the next four weeks, I'm going to be on these calls and we're going to make a plan and I'm going to do something. I'm going to use that to hold myself accountable week to week to make sure that I'm you know, pushing this thing forward. And then I think it was by the third week I landed uh, a BET plus show called Sacrifice that was actually through Will Smith who I took your first class with. Not that Will Smith, by the way. Not, not, not the Will who, Smith. Who, by the way, just putting it out in the world, if the Will Smith is listening, I really want you on my podcast, but this is another Will Smith. <laughs> yes, this is another Will Smith. And it was because of him that I was able to get on that show. And that was like my first credit. And I was like, okay, the, the door has been slightly open for me. Now I got to you know make sure the doors keep opening. And that was like a seven-week gig. And then that wrapped... And then here we are. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the key component of this very similar to Nick's story that I want to point out is I always think of the moment from Indiana Jones and the last crusade where Indiana has to do the leap of faith. It's in the, the final act when he's going through, you know, the, the, the cavern and trying to get to the, the Holy grail. And there's that moment where he has to do the leap of faith, where he just has to walk off and put his leg out and there's nothing there. And he just needs to hope that something's going to catch his fall. Everybody goes through that period once. Nick talked about it where he had multiple pilot offers as an assistant and as tempting as they were, he said no. And for you, it was the same moment of, I have this steady full-time job at a big-time trailer company, but I'm unhappy and there's a commute, or I can just totally walk away from that job and quit, but I've only got what at the time was like three or four weeks of work. It got extended. Um, but at the time it was, do I want full-time job or do I want to do a fill-in thing just for a few weeks with absolutely no guarantee of it becoming anything else? Right. And you made the decision to walk away from the full-time job and the career you've been doing for years just for a few weeks of freelance work, um, doing something that wasn't even exactly what you wanted to be doing, but it built relationships and it got you your first credit. It got me my first credit. It got me two additional references that were key in helping me get on the Mayans. And it was really, I think it it clicked in my head where it was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, it, it has to be now, right? And I had set myself up financially to be able to make that jump, which I think is another thing that people don't talk about enough, is you can't just make these jumps without being somewhat financially okay. If this opportunity came up two years ago, when I was still in the middle of paying off a lot of debt, I probably couldn't have done it because I haven't gotten a paycheck in like two months. So I think there's a financial component that people need to really look at as well, which is, can I do this financially? Can I go two months without a check? Because you told me, you know, you might go a few weeks on a few fill-in jobs, and then you might not have work for a few weeks. And that happened. I haven't, you know, gotten a paycheck in a few weeks, but I'm okay because I set myself up for it. Um, I tried to stack the, 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 the deck in my favor as much as I possibly could. 
Yeah, that's a huge component of being able to say no is having the freedom to say no without totally shooting yourself in the foot financially. Um, and I have another case study that for anybody listening, if you want to go into this more in depth, I did a full case study with my student, Paul Del Vecchio, and I will make sure that we put a link in the show notes to that. Uh, but we talk about finances a lot. For a program that talks about productivity and Trello and time management and outreach emails, we talk a lot about finances because if your finances are not organized and in order and in some way, shape or form automated, you're never going to have the time or the space to be able to say no to the wrong things. So you can say yes to the right things. Um, so that was yet another component that you put into place. So you had that freedom. Oh, also one more thing. I actually like, like Nick, I actually had around October and November, I had opportunities to go back to the same type of work that I was doing. Right. But I was, I had to tell myself, no, I had to say no, because if I, I knew if I took one of those jobs, and I got used to it, then it's like, well, there's another three, four, five months that I'm just kicking the can down the road and I'll never make this jump. So I really said no to any, I had like two or three, I actually interviewed with CBS for like an internal TV trailer promo job, just because I was like, all right, I want to interview just for the experience. Um, but I had that opportunity and then I had two other opportunities with other companies doing similar work. But I'm like, no, I want to go down the scripted path. I have to say no and I have to stick to my guns. And I have to, you know, eventually I just had to really like just know that that right opportunity was going to come my way at some point. So speaking of the right opportunity coming your way at some point, this is going to bring us back full circle to Nick again. So Nick, you got to the point where through many different connections and many different directions, everybody was essentially convincing the people at Mayans, you got to hire Nick, you got to hire Nick, you got to hire Nick. So you get the job on Mayans. But now all of a sudden, you have to fill the gap for your assistant editor. So how in the world did you two finally come together on this call by him becoming your assistant? What was that whole process? I started by reaching out to uh, all of the people who have assisted me before. And of course, all of them were busy. And then I started digging into various, you know, um, Facebook groups and other friends of mine who were assistants and sort of reaching out to my network. and everybody was booked. Um, so then I put a, a, a message out on the Optimizer Slack channel. And that's how I came across Fabian, amongst a number of other, other qualified people. So what I, what I think is really important to point out here is that what you didn't do was go to some jobs board or create a public job listing saying, editor of Mayans MC seeking qualified assistant editor. All you did was reach out to people that you know in your circle. Correct. So when somebody says, oh, well, it's all about who you know, absolutely it's all about who you know because there is no such thing as job listings at the level that we are all working in the industry. But that doesn't mean that you're screwed. It just means you need to get to know people because that's how the – for anybody that doesn't know how the process works, if they're thinking, well, how am I ever going to find an assistant editor job in scripted? You have to know people that are in a position like Nick where they start asking around and saying, hey, do you know anybody that's available? Do you know anybody that's available? Do you know anybody that's available? It's all about having those connections and being the most recent on their mind. So ultimately, you chose Fabian, and although he's on the call right now, we're going to pretend he's not for a second. I would like to know why Fabian was the best choice, given he doesn't really have the experience necessary. Why did you decide to do it anyway? I think the first thing that caught my eye was his resume. 
um, which was very nicely laid out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I like pretty pictures, what can I say? Um, so that kind of, that immediately sort of put him above the people with the terribly, uh, terribly laid out resumes. Um, and obviously I saw that he didn't have a huge amount of experience uh, on point for scripted, um, but uh, the message that he sent me kind of spoke to his enthusiasm. Um, and um, then we started exchanging emails and um, and that the enthusiasm thing really kind of um, really kind of came through. Um, and for me, you know, enthusiasm over experience is 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 very important. Um, you know, if I have to choose between those two things, enthusiasm counts for a lot. So I interviewed him and a number of other people. And uh, it just seemed to be a really good fit. We got on really well. And um, and uh, that was the point where he told me he was a Mayan super fan and told me the whole backstory <laughs> with you and all of that stuff. So I kind of got, got comfortable in terms of, you know, what he knew and what he didn't know and his willingness to learn what he didn't know. Um, so we haven't really started working together. So my fingers are crossed that it's all going to work out. But uh, aside from that... Well, I specifically scheduled it so I could do this beforehand. So that way, if you fire him after the first week, I can still, you know, just cut that part out of the story. Uh, but I, I'm not worried about any of that. Um, but I guess the, 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 other, the, the other component of this that I think is so important for people to understand, specifically those that are in Fabian's position, is that if you don't have the experience, what you have to get really good at is telling the story that I have the skills. So Fabian, you and I have talked more than once about this hypothetical situation. And Nick, you and I had the exact same conversation. I asked all of my students this that want to make the transition. If you got the job tomorrow morning, do you know enough to not fail your first week? And if the answer is no, that means you have to do skill development before you put yourself out there to get hired on these jobs. Because I've had multiple students, um, one of uh, whom is also a case study that people can listen uh, to us with Marcella Garcia, one of my students from last semester, another amazing story. Um, but she was offered a job to make the transition to being a scripted assistant editor. And I specifically advised her to say no. She's like, but, but this is the one, this is the transition. I'm like, you're setting yourself up for failure because you haven't done scripted yet. Yet, and you're coming in on day one and they want you to do turnovers and balance multiple episodes and you're coming into the middle of chaos, they're going to see you don't have the experience yet and you're going to get a bad recommendation and you're probably going to get fired. She's like, well, I don't want that. I'm like, no, you want to set yourself up for success. So you have to tell the story that you have the skills to not fail on day one, but be in a position where you're set up to succeed. And Fabian and I, you, we both had that conversation where I said, listen, if it, we were saying it hypothetically at the time, but I said, if you got the job on Mayans MC tomorrow, do you feel like you know enough that you're not going to fail and you have the enthusiasm and the passion to learn the rest on the job? And I'm assuming that your answer to that would still be yes. Because if it's not, your employer is on the call with you right now. <laughs> the answer would still be yes. Yes. So you, do, do you feel that you know everything you need to know to get from day one of the show until the end of the season? I don't feel like I know everything, but I have the skill set to learn everything. I think the skill sets, I always kept telling people like friends and family, because I was like, they were, you know, I was talking to them about this transition I'm trying to make. And the analogy I kept using was like, I have this toolbox that has all the tools that I need. It's just learning what tools I need for what part of the job, right? I feel like I have everything I need to know 
Now I just got to figure out, okay, how do I do this and apply it to turnovers? How do I apply it to grouping dailies and all that stuff? Um, Cause I, I mean, I've been an assistant editor for six and a half years. Like I haven't, I don't feel like I'm missing anything that I wouldn't need on this show. Right. So it was just a matter of convincing somebody that I, that I can do the job. And luckily the opportunity for a show, I think it helps when you have, like Nick said, enthusiasm for the show. Like I'm an actual fan of the show. I've been watching, you know, I've seen all three seasons, stuff like that. So I think it, that goes a long way because now I'm invested in this season and knowing that I'm working on it, you want to do the best job possible, right? It's kind of like you with Cobra Kai. Like you were probably a fan of Karate Kid and now you get to work on this and you want to put forward the best possible product that you can. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that, as uh, Nick said, and you said, the enthusiasm is a huge part of it. There's one other component that I think makes this such a good fit. And this is the piece that nobody ever really thinks about is with all of the tools that you have, there are going to be knowledge gaps. There's still going to be there's going to be language translations from people that come from reality or that come from trailers. Just terms are different. Like some people are like, what's a turnover? I'm like, well, it's oh, I know what onlining is. I didn't know it's called just stupid stuff like that. Right. But the question is, whatever your weaknesses are or your knowledge gaps are, will you be set up for success with a team that can help you fill those gaps? And sometimes you're not. And the reason why I think this is such a good fit, and in other circumstances, if somebody had said, um, you know, hey, I've uh, heard uh, that you know Fabian, he's in your program, would you recommend him? I wouldn't recommend you or anybody else wholeheartedly until I know the circumstances. But when I knew it was Nick, what I'm thinking to myself and what I'm assuming the producer that also has to approve you is thinking, well, Fabian's going to have some knowledge gaps. There's going to be a few skills that he needs to develop. But guess what? Nick's also been doing the exact same job for the last seven years. So if you have questions, you're not on your own. You just say, hey, Nick, the producer's looking for this one thing. And Nick's like, oh, yeah, just do this, this, and that. So you know that every single knowledge gap that you have right now is going to very easily be filled. Whereas let's say that you were going to be my assistant editor, and I've been through this more than once. I tell my assistants, if you haven't worked in TV before, you need a resource to help you fill knowledge gaps because I'm not it. I don't know how the assistant editor job works other than the parts that relate to me. So I can't help you with turnovers or EDL managers or any of that because I've never been an assistant. So I make sure they have a place to fill those knowledge gaps, but you guys are the perfect fit because Nick, you've been doing this at an expert level for years. So you've all you have to do is send a Slack message or knock on a door and your your knowledge gaps are filled. But that's an area that people don't think about too much. So you 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 basically have a giant safety net whenever you get stuck and you don't know the answer to something. I would also add uh, the fact that you had that the one scripted experience on Sacrifice that made you me feel a lot more confident in your abilities and having talked to uh, those folks that, you know, put you, um, you know, above some of the other resumes that I saw. And likewise, the fact that you talked to Hunter and developed a relationship with him, I was able to use that to also sell you to the producers. So there was a lot of serendipity here. And there was also a former coworker from one of the companies I was at that's also on the show that also could vouch for me as well. So it's like I had, thankfully I had all these people kind of, you know, vouching for me, which was a huge help, you know, when you're trying to get that first, like, you know, from day one scripted show, right? Yep, it's um, like I was talking about with Nick, that's the full frontal assault. 
If just one person mentions your name, it's not enough. If four, five, six people keep saying your name, well, all right, fine, I'll pay attention and maybe we'll give them a shot. Um, I mean, it's, it's, how, it's how marketing works, right? You see a product once, you're probably not interested in it, but then you see a billboard, then you see a Facebook ad, then you see a Google ad, then another friend posts about it on their wall. Like none of that is an accident. It's because we need multiple touch points to be convinced about taking a chance on anything and people in networking are no different, but that's why we consider this a game of chess and not a game of checkers. You started making those moves with the pawns two and a half years ago, and now here you are checkmate. So uh, I, th this is uh, of, of all the stories um, from the program, this is certainly in the, in my top five for sure, and maybe even higher. Um, I just, I love how all these pieces came together. Just, we call it serendipity, but it wasn't really serendipity or was it just a shit ton of hard work over the, the course of time and relentlessly taking the steps that were necessary. A lot of it was patience, which I had very little of. <laughs> so... Because once I wrapped on sacrifice, I went, you know, like that those first few weeks of unemployment, I was like, all right, well, now I really got to start, you know, reaching out to people and put my name out there. And, you know, I was applying to things on the union job board and opportunities weren't really coming my way because I think, you know, don't have the experience, you know, I don't have a ton of credits. And then, you know, I was checking your Slack group and I was checking the forum or the union job board. And then honestly, when I saw Nick's, posting he didn't say what show it was i just sent him my info because i'm like i just need to get a job and then i remember it was like the day i interviewed with him like an hour or two before he said oh it's the mayans by the way <laughs> and, and then i couldn't focus for the rest of the day right <laughs> and i was like all right this is like literally my dream opportunity that i've been looking for i've been wanting to get on this show and then thankfully i was able to, to make that work and he's uh, he's a great resource for me because uh, when I don't understand something that's happened in previous seasons, I can ask Fabian. Yep. So there you go. You can help each other, right? I love it. Uh, so final question. I'm going to ask the same question to both of you. Um, what we're going to do, this is a, a fairly new question that I've been asking all of my guests, and I love the results that it gets us. We're going to travel back in time. Both of you are going to jump into a time machine. So I'm going to start with you, uh, Nick, and then we're going to go to Fabian. So Nick, we're going to travel back in time to whatever moment makes the most sense, whether it's a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, where you've been doing this assistant editor thing for a while and you're just kind of fed up with it. And you're thinking, I put in my time, I've been an assistant editor for long enough, but I just have no idea how I'm going to make it happen or if I can even make it happen. What advice would you give yourself when you were at that point of just, I know I don't want to do this anymore, but I have no idea what comes next. If you could travel back in time and shorten your learning curve, what advice would you give yourself? I think I would tell myself to really put energy on a regular basis into networking and just keeping in touch with, um, with the various people who are already part of my network, um, who I know could move me in the direction of, of more editing opportunities. I love it. Networking. Moving on now to you, Fabian. Same question, but I want to uh, temper it a little bit more because with you, it really was this sense of I have absolutely no clue where to even start. Like you were just a poor deer lost in the woods. Like, I know I don't want to work in trailers, but it is it even possible for me to move into scripted? Like for you, there are so many unknowns. So if you were going to go back in time to that moment where you said, I'm just done with trailers, I don't want to be doing this, but I have no clue where to even start, 
you jump in a time machine, what advice do you give yourself? I think it would have to be roughly around the time that I found you, because that's really when I like really hit that wall. It was like early 2019 when I was like, God, I really want to get out of this. And I think I would probably tell myself then to, I think like what Nick said is focus on, on the networking. Like, even if I didn't know what I was doing outreach email wise, just start emailing people because eventually someone's going to be nice enough to be like, all right, I'll give you, you know, five minutes, you know? Um, so I wish I would have started that process even before I met you. Cause then I think it would have been further along for me. Um, and possibly would have made the jump earlier. Do you remember one of the key mindsets that I teach at the very beginning, like week one of the program that that would apply to more than any other? Honestly, I don't. I know it's been a while since you've gone through the beginning of the program, so it's, it's not a pop quiz. Um, but uh, one of the very first key mindsets that I share with everyone, other than you have to play a game of chess and not a game of checkers, but the other really important one is that you cannot always pursue perfect at the expense of good enough. And I think what you just said is the perfect example of it, where a lot of people are saying, well, I mean, I could send an email, but is it the best email ever? And do I know what I'm, oh, I'm just, I'm going to hold off until I know that it's absolutely perfect. But if you pursue perfect at the expense of good enough, nothing ever happens, which frankly is one of the root causes of procrastination. Um, and I know that Nick is shaking his head right now for anybody that's listening and not watching. Uh, going back to this idea of procrastination, a lot of that comes from uh, some form of perfectionism and fear, does it not? Sure, Yeah. So on that note, um, I'm very, very glad that I can finally share this story with the world and with the other students in this program, because this has been one of my favorites to, to watch come together. And like I said, I could not have written it this way. Two years ago, when I had both of you come into the program, if I had written down, this is exactly how I wanted to come together, I would have thought I was crazy and other people would have thought I was crazy. But yet here we are. Um, and it just shows that with perseverance and persistence and uh, really uh, getting the work done, even if it's not perfect, um, can get you the results that you want to get. So on that note, uh, I want to thank both of you for putting in the time and putting in the energy over the last couple of years to make this happen and inspire others. And just thank you for taking the time out today to, to chat with me and share your story. So Fabian and Nick, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I wanna make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even gonna send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.